Hello, ladies and gents. This is Mike Hedley on the Hedley Group Real Estate Show. This is a podcast designed for real estate professionals who's thinking about getting a career in real estate or who's already been in the business. We'll learn some great tips and tricks from the professionals and the veterans. Continue to tune in. Hey, ladies and gents, this is Mike Hedley on the Hedley Group Real Estate Show. We got a great one for you again. We have Darren Johnson with Johnson Premier Realty. He's given us some great tips and insight on how he started his brokerage and how he's working things out during this pandemic. Hey, ladies and gents, how you doing? We are back with another great one. This is Mike Henley on the Henley Group Real Estate Show. Let me tell you something. Before I announce this brother right here, when I say experience, his face is going to be right next to the dictionary. With experience in terms of real estate brokerage, um, investments in terms of rental property, flipping, renovation. Uh, his brokerage does property management, REOs, which is real estate owned, real estate owned properties, foreclosures, those who don't know. He specializes in commercial as well. Let's give a long, warm welcome to Mr. Darren Johnson with Johnson Premier Realty. How you doing, brother? What's happening, man? I'm gonna clap with you, man. I like you gotta clap, man. We gotta throw some enthusiasm. I like that. What's going on, man? So, we I asked Darren, I asked Darren, I said, listen, bro, we gotta get you on the show, man. You you got so much wisdom and insight that I think anybody getting into real estate or people who who are uh are seasoned, you might be able to pass on a good good nugget or two. So we need to share that to the world. And before I let this brother go in, I want to say I met him at a conference. 2000 and I would say nine or ten around the time nine or ten probably. I can't remember. Yeah. It's, been, it's been a long time. Been, been been a long time, and I can say he always has been a basket and a wealth of insight and knowledge, tips and tricks that I can use in my real estate business and my brokerage. So I want to salute him for that. So, brother, without further ado, uh, let the world know, man. Let the world know what made Aaron get inside real estate. What spiked, what spiked that interest? What spiked the interest? As we discussed before, when I first met you, you asked me that same question. So real estate was not what I started out doing. Okay. I was actually, I was actually, I'm, I'm more of an entrepreneur. And I started out in the uh, restaurant business. Mm. And at the time I had eight Subway sandwich shops throughout okay. the Detroit metropolitan area, right? I don't, I don't think I remember that. Eight, eight of them. Wow. Okay, brother. Yeah, okay. eight stores. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And okay. so I decided to um, take my profits and diversify it. You know, so I, I, I got into buying real estate for uh, passive income. Mm. Um, wasn't sure how I was going to attack that, but. I did. And I had my cousin at the time was a real estate agent. So he was my agent trying to mm-hmm. keep it in the family. Mm-hmm. But I soon found out that because he was working a job, a full-time job, he was doing real estate part-time. Mm-hmm. As you and I both know, and being a real estate broker <laughs> or agent, there's no such thing as a part-time job. If you want to be successful. If you want to be successful, mm-hmm. that's right. So at that point, I was realizing I was missing out on some good deals because he was working his job, getting to me late. So I went and I took the exam. I said, I can do this. And I took the exam, popped it on the first pop. I got with the broker, 
uh, that was well known in my area. Um, she educated me more about the real estate industry. And she told me when I walked in, she said, I already know you're not going to stay with me. I say, well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> right? Right. It okay. It got so good to me. It got so good to me that I started selling homes. I became actually the number one agent in her office. Wow. How many brokers? Prizes. I'm sorry? How many brokers did you have? How many did she have? How many agents, brokers? Um, At the time, she probably had about, I want to say 80. 80. Okay, 80 wow. You were number one. In the okay. Absolutely. Yeah. But with anything, I owe that to just my networking ability mm. and knowing a lot of people. Mm. Because once, once my sphere of influence found out and my closest friends and family found out that I was selling real estate, they started coming to me, flocking to me. Mm. And once that happened, I started selling, you know, homes to them okay. and listing their homes. Mm. And that's how, that's how I got into it. And I was like, hmm, this is pretty good. I don't have to deal with these minimum wage workers no more at Subway. <laughs> Gotcha, I can exactly. slowly back out of that. So what uh -huh. I did was I started selling my Subway sandwich shops because my investment portfolio got bigger. Mm. And I've, I finally sold my last one in 2005, uh, which is very profitable. That was hard to let go. And um, But I made good money selling them. I made okay. profit, of course, on each one. And I jumped in, I started my brokerage. I jumped into real estate, left her office, started my own brokerage out of my home. And at that time, the market started flipping in 2006 and seven, right in between that time. Mm. I said, you know what? I need to figure this thing out or it ain't gonna work. Mm. That's when I dived right into REO head first. Mm. Okay? That's Correct. how I okay. got REOs helped and built me and made it where I can survive. And boy, did I survive. I mean, I did good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still doing good. And okay. I'm humble to it and I'm grateful, you know? And mm -hmm. I try to teach people as much as I can because, you know, if it wasn't for other people, you know, I wouldn't be in the position I'm in. So that's one of the things that I do. As you see, I got Malcolm over my head and Mr. Martin Luther King. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. In my office every day. I look at them because they mm. put knowledge and skill and information in. That's right. Um, so once I got into the REO industry, um, networking and so forth, and getting these asset management companies and banks to uh, use me as a real estate brokerage, um, I start having uh, just an abundance of inventory. Mm. Right? Let me interject here. So this way, a viewer who's listening, just like it's, like, it's not like we're speaking German to them or there's nothing wrong with speaking German. Uh, when you say get the asset managers, Oreo space, get them to use you, break it down simple form. The banks. Well, you network, you fly out to the banks, you fly out to the asset management companies, mm -hmm. you sell yourself, you, you, you resume yourself, mm -hmm. and then you, you know, you present yourself where they say, hey, I want this guy to help liquidate some of my assets. Mm -hmm. They start mm -hmm. sending me assets. Um, and my assets grew to where I was managing 
for multiple, maybe 50, 60 asset management company and banks uh, in the amount of, on average per month, about 400 properties. Wow. And 400 so, properties. Yeah, okay. for about 400 properties. As my as my brokers grew in that ramp, that, that area, you know, of course, I started hiring staff, field mm. people. Mm -hmm. an additional assistant here, an additional assistant there, mm -hmm. more field, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we grew into this REO brokerage mm -hmm. um, because that's where the market was at that time. And keep in mind, you know, I'm still that that primary resident guy to go to and commercial guy to go to as well. Okay. But that wasn't what, what it was called for at the time. So um, in doing that, I had agents at this point. They say, hey, this this guy got, got a lot of inventory over here. We can make some money helping them sell these inventories. Gotcha. And okay. I woke up, listen, I woke up one morning out of the blue. And I was I will never forget that. I was laying in bed and I was like, I got 32 agents in my office. I wasn't prepared for that. What am I gonna do with them? Mm. Then I said, you know what? Let me train them. Mm -hmm. Let's mm -hmm. train them. And let's start bringing in more agents, you know, into the brokerage and so forth. And let's see if we can make that work. And that's what I did. And then mm -hmm. I branched out. Of course, I branched out to Houston, Dallas as a broker. Okay. And, you know, the rest, the rest is history. Here I am. Mm -hmm. The market has, the market has now flipped back into a residential market. Um, but I, I see an REO market that's going to uh, come back here shortly after this pandemic. Okay, so, so I got to interject because like I say, I want to unpack a lot of things you said because I don't want to dive too because again, this is something that beat me to the punch with some of the questions, some of the statements you just said. Um, let me back it up a little bit. When you you shifted to the REO managing 400 something properties, uh, brung on agent, I mean, brung on assistant to help you with the process. During them times, were there were there moments? But I, I think I know the answer. But but was it a moment when you said, "Man, I, I need a break." I mean, the money is good, but damn, it's a little too much. Was it? Or was it like, hey, "Okay, uh, nah, just keep bringing them on," or was it a little um, overwhelming? I didn't say I needed a break. I okay. said I needed more help. Need more help. Got you. Okay. Yeah. So I hired another assistant. At one point, I had three assistants and eight mm. field reps mm. and eight buyer agents. Mm. Got you. So once I got to that capacity, uh, my assistants were pretty much running my um, REO department. I was overseeing everything, of course. Okay. You know, I had two BPO agents, agents that just strictly did BPOs. And what is what is the BPO? So the viewers, broker price opinion. Um, okay. Mm -hmm. Where the broker would give you a price opinion on the market that the property is in. It's okay. probably the next best thing to an appraisal. Mm. Okay. Uh, not an appraisal, but it's, okay. it's it give you a good uh, value assessment. So quick snapshot of of your business with the REO, and again, we're going to segue to another question. One, two, three, Main Street pops in your email. What what does that look like? How does that flow go? How does it go? Yeah, in other words, here's an assignment, an asset, or how does that a listing? What do you do with that? First, first thing I do is I have to um, recognize it by letting the asset management company or asset, uh, the um, asset manager know that I've received it. 
Okay. Okay. You know, by um, maybe click and receive or acknowledge that I got it. I'm mm-hmm. take this and move with it. And once mm-hmm. I take, once I get that, at that point, we schedule time to go out and uh, assess the property. And what I mean by assess the property, I mean go out to see if it's occupied, vacant, what mm-hmm. condition it's in, get some exterior photos. If the property is vacant at that time, mm-hmm. um, of course, depending on where you are, you want to, well, anytime you always want to walk around the house and make sure there's no open entries because you, you got to keep safety in mind when you're in this kind, when you're in the REO industry, safety is really, really important because it's distressed property. Right. And when you're dealing with distressed property, you're dealing with people under distress mm. most of the time. And so, to, and, and that goes to being a good REO agent, you gotta be able to handle people that's in distress by giving them respect and making them understand you're not here to fight with them. You're not against them. You're here to help them mm-hmm. the best way you can to whatever they need mm-hmm. to get them through this situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Once we do that, um, we report it back to the bank within 24 hours what's going on with that property. Okay, okay. Okay. And that's, and the reason why I actually give us that snapshot is, uh, you know, you get a broker who's getting into the business. What is REO? How does that process look? Yeah. So, yeah. but not, now there's a lot of chunks in between there for us getting the business, but I want you to give this little general layout of how that works. Let, let me fast forward a little bit. Um, now we are in 2018 and 19, 20, and I don't speak, I don't want to speak for you, but when did you start to notice a decline in, in, in the REOs, two-part question here. And now, I, I don't know how much REOs you have now. I, I, I don't doubt you have 400 like you did before, but what does that look like in terms of traditional? Do traditional buyers or sellers want to work with you if you're considered the REO guy? Did you run into that gray area? Or they don't so, yeah, I did. I did. So when I saw the market changing um, to more traditional than REO, then at that point, you know, everybody that knew me, knew me as the REO guy. And that's not the label I wanted. I didn't start right. with that label and I didn't want that label. You right. know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Everybody's calling you for distressed property. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not, that wasn't my passion. As a matter of fact, my passion is investing myself, doing my own investing. Okay. So, and helping people get into homes. So I had to actually re, um, renew myself, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So my REO uh, business name was not original. My name, my company name was not originally Johnson Premier Realty Company. We had a, a different name in the past and we changed that name okay. to Johnson Premier. We relabeled ourselves. Okay. Okay. To change, to come from an REO company to a traditional real estate company. Exactly. And so okay. it's been working that way. It's been working pretty good um, with that name change, new marketing material, and so on and so on. Mm, gotcha. Okay. Now, yeah, because I noticed other brokers, including myself, that you, you you let people know, listen, I mean, I'm licensed. My license just don't say REO. Just because right. I took quite advantage of that time, which was a blessing, hey, right. you know, we can shift and do other things as well. Right? <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Let's fast forward. COVID-19 hit, which was a, a halt and a, and a uh, uh, or, or, uh, or um, bump in the road for a lot of people's business. What did Darren do 
for his business as well as what kind of encouragement or new training that you provided to your agents to deal with this, you know, which was a rocky last year, which we're still in. The joke is Darren sheltered in place. Mm. <laughs> we gotta live first, right? Hey man, that, that's a monster out there, man. Yes, that, it is. That's, that's for real. You know, right. he's a monster and he he don't care what color creed or mm. age or who you are. He, he you know, he get a hold of you, you gotta deal with him. So exactly. at the time when it when it hit, and you know, my lease was up on my office space and everybody was scrambling to start working from home and not being in the office so i didn't renew my lease i said you know what let me move my office back into my home and let's expand my uh virtual and techno technology uh within my brokerage and go from there so a lot of docusign electronic signatures right a lot of zoom calls a lot of zoom meetings mm -hmm. and so forth it even got to a point where you know, I haven't been able to fly to my office in Houston or Dallas mm. because, you know, that beast is sitting on that plane. You, you know, waiting know. for people. So I'm waiting crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's real. Mm. And so I don't, you know, I don't know when I'm going to be able to do this um, to get back down to my office, but we've had to make major adjustments with my agents in those areas mm -hmm. by just simply doing Zoom calls um, and electronic. And it's actually the, adapting to this virtual and paperless system is actually pretty good. And I don't see myself going back to the old ways because mm -hmm. it's, it's freeing me up to do other things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just simply, you know, I mean, look at it, look at you're in North Carolina. I'm in Detroit, mm -hmm. you know, we doing a call. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> so you do that with your agents and everything else you do. You know, so that's, I've been dealing with COVID in that capacity. The market over the past six to nine months have been crazy because as well as when COVID hit, they lowered the interest rates to a record low mm. and people trying to scramble from these high density areas, which is metropolitan areas to more suburban areas to, to, to hide from this monster. And uh, so the real estate boom hit in these months. So it's been crazy. And I've been dealing with buyers. I've been constantly dealing with buyers um, for the past seven, eight, nine months. And it got so crazy here in Detroit where buyers were actually bidding 20,000 to 30,000 over asking price. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Whether they're appraised or not. Right. Mm -hmm. They were coming out with the additional cash mm. to pay the difference of the appraisal. So it got a little crazy. It has mm. it slowed up in November, end of November. January is here. It's still, it's still a little slow, but it's gonna pick back up in our spring. Of course, I'm waiting to see how that happened with this new administration going in and the, the, the things they're going to be doing. And that okay. flips us back to the REO question, right? Where we stand with REO from that point forward? Well, we don't know yet. Correct, correct, correct. And and, and I'm glad you got you know, some great segues. I ain't have to change it, switch it up too much. You take me right home. Uh, <laughs> new administration, you see the moratoriums got pushed back, I think, until end of February, if I'm not mistaken. 
Yeah. Uh, so basically, people or not giving moratoriums is you can't evict or, uh, or foreclose on no one if they have FHA or Freddie Mac loan, if I'm not mistaken. But I think if the property is vacant, then the bank still can take the property back if it's vacant. But if it's occupied, you right. cannot put someone on the street due to CDC says COVID-19. That's a person to say, I had a job loss. You can't get rid of me. That's correct. Um, so the market, based off history, because they say history always tells the future, um, there's always a correction every seven, nine, eight, ten years. What's ten your years. thoughts on that? Ten years. Ten years. There's always ten a correction years. around 10, 10 11, 12 10 years. years. So, yeah. so, so before we dive into that, so evidently me and you got in the space because I got licensed in 2007. Uh, and I had to just jump in right in front of the REO. That's what the market was. I've seen the trend jumped on the head, the head before it really became a tsunami. What do you tell uh, brokers who've been in the business for six years, five years? They don't know really too much about REOs or a broker getting into the business. What would you tell them to prepare for or look out for? What's your thoughts on that? Run like hell. No. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> keep it real on the show, Lee. I, like, I love that. <laughs> Well, Love see, yeah. everybody, everyone cannot be an REO agent or broker. Mm. It's a different kind of beast, a different, mm. it's, you have to have this something about you to deal with REO. And that's because you would have had to groan with it when it first hit. Now mm. I was doing REO slightly before 07, just okay. slightly. Um, but when it hit, you know, I grew with it and, and I changed with everything that was changing from asset managers um, starting to use auctions to sell their property. We had to go through that. Um, our asset management company and banks uh, playing with our commissions, you oh, know, man. using third parties, you know, and so you have to prepare yourself to be able to to deal with those things because if you go from a 6% commission mm. to a 5% commission or a 4.75% commission, you got to be able to, to roll with that. And you got to make a decision. Is Correct. it is it is it good for my company or not? And so now, you know, coming at towards the end of it, like right now, they use a lot of auction still. Correct kind of like auction off their properties. Mm -hmm. I mean, you become their broker, you manage the property, but they put in an auction and they want to pay you 1%, you know? So Insulting. you have to, you have to, your staff changes, mm -hmm. you know, because you have to make sure that um, the compensation for doing REO is going to satisfy your overhead and your needs within your company. Um, and that goes for doing BPOs, uh, property inspections, and so on and so on. You know, mm, mm, mm. so it's it's a difficult challenge. I will say this: when you're managing a property, you're you, you you're paying their bills because you have to turn utilities on on these properties. Mm. You have to get repairs done. You have to pay um, any kind of fines or any kind of uh, code violations on these properties and you have to get reimbursed. So another thing you have to do is you have to know that these companies are only going to reimburse you within 30 to 60, sometimes 90 days. So there's times 
you know, in REO where I'm floating $125,000. Hold on, my hold, money. Hold, 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 hold on, we got to get that again. How much money was you floating? $125,000 on average of my money waiting for them to reimburse me. So if your team is not doing what you need them to do, one year I lost $8,000 because I had one of my team members, my building in my building department was not keeping up properly. And I lost eight million. Of course, you know, you know what I did. <laughs> you make an adjustment, you get somebody else. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be changed. But eight thousand right. dollars is not going to keep right. your job in my in my in my suit. So, right. you know, and you got to be able to take that loss, take that hit. That's right. You know, mm -hmm. you take some, you take the good with the bad. Mm -hmm. So you got to run a tight ship when you're dealing with REO properties. Mm -hmm. You see? Okay. So, not, okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, just getting yeah. into it, you know, you gotta and, and factor all these things in. You you have to, and I and, and this and this it's crazy. As soon as it this uh uh, uh I guess COVID hit hit last year, I would say around April, they start talking about the market. I actually had a broker who never done REO reach out to me. Hey, what's up? what can I prepare for? And and after I had that conversation with her, and again, I'm not discouraging it all, right? What's for me is for me. Right. When I got finished with that conversation, she said, well, I'll, I'll just think about it. He wasn't ready for that. <laughs> no, <laughs> everything you were saying, you know, because yeah. you're a project manager. So much you have to take on and, and, and be a stress hurt, stress bust. You know, you're not prepared for it. You know, so yeah, you may not get, you may not get your money back on certain things. You know, so that's right. They definitely uh, agree with you 100% on that. Hey, guys, thank you for watching our show. We're going to interrupt you real quickly. We are in the business of referrals. If you know someone looking to buy or sell, residential or commercial here in the North Carolina area, refer us. We really appreciate that. Okay, so now let, let's segue. You are in Detroit metro area and you mentioned Dallas metro as well as Houston, all the way down to Texas, right? That's right. Um, do we do we have offices, brokers in place to deal with yes. uh, clients in them yeah. areas? Yes. So I, I see that you specialize in commercial as well. Right. Yes. Okay, commercial as well. Give me a commercial story. Give me a commercial story where a traditional, because a lot of times a traditional agent think I got my license, I can do commercial. Give me a give me a commercial story that was just a little bit rocky. And again, not for discouragement, but again, we keep it real on our show. That I want you to know, put out there, share. That was it. Made you just say, "Okay, man, this is this ain't this is nothing like a regular sale. This is a uh, it's a little bit rocky." Give us one of them stories. Well, uh, I gotta say, I've been fortunate where I really haven't had a rocky. Really? Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I had a great mentor mm. when I started in commercial. Okay. So when I when I when I decided to go into uh, and this was back when I was uh, when I had when I was. When I first got my license, um, my cousin was my mentor. Um, may he rest in heaven. Um, he was pretty heavy in the commercial construction in, okay. in, here in the Detroit area. Mm -hmm. And so I would go to his office. He gave me a desk near his desk so I could hear his conversations and talk to him whenever I want. We were that close. And um, one day I asked him, I say, I say, uh, how long you had your real estate license? And he said, he said, what are you talking about? 
I say, you don't have a real estate license? He say, no, you don't need a real estate license to do commercial. You don't. Mm-hmm. You don't need a real estate license to do commercial that I know of in any state. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because they assume that people that are investing or buying commercial are savvy enough to hire a lawyer and a good agent to represent them. Mm. I say lawyer again. Mm-hmm. I have never done a commercial deal without a lawyer involved. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because you don't need a license. See, we only need real estate license to protect the consumer who don't know. And most right. of the time those are regular people that's buying homes and selling homes. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't indulge in commercial, but you know, the government obviously is, or you know, they they assume that you're going to be savvy enough to, hey, I need a lawyer to do this and I need an agent to represent me. And you come together with these people. And so that's why whenever somebody come to me to purchase a, a commercial real estate, I find out what they need, where they need it. And then I ask them, do you have a lawyer that can represent you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because <clears throat> I call a commercial uh, world a big old shark tank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gotcha, because okay. you got some sharks out there because they don't okay. need a license. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll deal with some list you deal with some listing agents with commercial mm-hmm. and they actually try to steal your client mm-hmm. from you. Mm-hmm. And if your client is not loyal to you, you they can lose that client. Mm-hmm. Unlike in residential, you have an agency, you know, agreement or you know, a buyer agent agreement of some sort, a contract mm-hmm. with that buyer. And also, you know, the licensing board protects you when you have procured a sale. Mm-hmm. Well, in commercial, you're not so protected. Mm-hmm. So anybody getting into commercial, you, you're going to need a lawyer to work with because your client may not have one, someone you can trust. Mm-hmm. And you're going to need to know how to navigate in that arena. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. It's totally, gotcha. It's totally different. Totally, totally different, different. Totally. And and just to piggyback on what you're saying is, I've sold some some commercial. There's probably nowhere near as many as you sold. Uh, it's like the building, building we're in now. And I look at that. Uh, I've always said that it, it ain't just like you said, straight to the point. Because the attorney can actually, I would suggest the attorney prepare the contract, right? Because there's I so agree. many nuances and 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 changes. Yeah. It's not just so straight to the point because you'll miss something and it can it can cause you a lawsuit. Right? That's right. Just to piggyback off that. Mm-hmm. Um, let me segue into a, since we're talking about brokers, you know, it's getting a um, traditional broker, residential broker doing commercial real estate. What would you say to a fresh broker that's getting into the business, said, I want to get in the business, I want to be a, a, a residential broker. Um, what kind of, insight what you give them or, or something that nobody gave you when you first started and you got all this wealth of experience uh i was trained by a pretty good broker so i was able to i'm a, i'm I, I i like to learn and pay attention um because i'm i don't think you know everything i think you mm. should always try to learn something new because you can't possibly know everything a right. new broker opening a brokerage um, you say going into commercial or just simply opening? No, a no just opening the brokerage. 
new broker? Uh, know what it entails. Put a business plan together. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't need a business plan to purchase a loan, put a business plan for yourself to follow. Mm -hmm. and, and, and have a five-year plan mm -hmm. within that business plan so you know where you're going. And every five years, you add another year to it to kind of control your destiny. Mm -hmm. So, and understand what it means to, um, if you're gonna bring other agents in up under you, understand what it means to be over those agents, what your responsibility is, what your liability is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Gotcha. You know, okay. what kind of overhead you're gonna be dealing with. Mm -hmm. Great insight there, you know, because so, you'd be and, surprised. And, sorry. And, and I'm sorry, Mike, but you're gonna have to you're gonna have to find your niche. It's like any a regular agent would need to do. The broker needs to have a niche as well, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, am I going to do residential, or am I going to do commercial, or both? Am I going to recruit a lot of agents? What is your niche? Mm -hmm. No. Will I use a brand name like, you know, those? Big, I'm not going to say their names, but right. you know, something like right. a a big a, a well-known brand name that does a lot of because you're going to pay for that in your overhead. Correct. See? So you need a business plan. Mm. I love that. Love that. And I think, you know, I, I think what happens is uh, some states, particularly I'm going to say here, it's very easy to kind of start your own brokerage. And I think it's like, hey, I've been doing this for about a year. Let me go through a couple more steps. Let me open up my brokerage. Let me bring on agents. But it's a lot on the back end that you did not take advantage of, though it did not know. So now the ties are spinning in the mud and you're spending money. And you get people yeah. leave you because you yeah. don't. They be like, "Well, we thought you had your." And say, "We thought you had your shit together." <laughs> hey man, when I I told you I woke up that morning and I had thirty two agents. Yeah, yeah. I had to, I had to go out and hire a manager for my brokerage to train these agents. Mm. That cost me part of my commission. Wow. To okay. have someone training these agents because I couldn't do it. I was doing other things. Correct. So I had Correct. to figure it out. And make it work and you can't you do everything by yourself you cannot you're absolutely right about that and i was we always say you you go to a certain point by yourself but you go far with a team i mean that yeah you go real so far cool. with a team and and if i if i can instill one most important thing that i think will bring you great success is always hire someone that's better than you that's it because if you're the smartest person at the table you're done you're not gonna grow. You're done. <laughs> that's true. You know that's I mean? true. I mean, that, that, that is so true. You know, you you're like similar to what you're saying. You hire people who 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 will highlight your weaknesses because they got that's the right. trends, which is a beautiful right. thing. All right, brother. So now I'm, we're, we're, we're starting to widen down because I know you're a busy guy. I've always said because I've always asked every guest to give me two golden nuggets. Hit me with two golden nuggets. Whether that be a scripture, a quote, a book, a movie. Anything that can be inspirational, what you got? Uh, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad Poor Dad. That's my man. Great one. That's my man. Right there. Let me add this right to y'all. Uh, you, you know how you can know people that that uh, he be like, damn, he know him too. This brother right here. If you go to his Facebook page, he got pictures of Hillary Clinton, NBA players. Man, man, your Rolodex is strong, brother. Or that cold okay. log and that phone. You know everybody. Hey, so I hey, got to salute him on that. I, li I like networking. Networking is very important as well. 
So networking. Okay. Networking is probably one of the most important things you you want to do in being a broker or agent because if you don't network yourself, you ain't selling yourself, and you're not meeting new people. You know that's how I met you. At that's right. That's right. You no, know, you network. Uh -huh. You find out what hey what what does Mike know that I don't know? Mm. Mike Mike probably got two asset management companies he working with that I can get on with and get some business and I might have two or three that he Six. can get on with you network it. you become good friends and you share information and you grow within that networking grow. arena you grow and so that's when you see me taking these pictures with correct professional basketball players football players and mayors and all that kind of stuff on my Facebook page. It's like, um, that's all about networking and building mm -hmm. relationships. You know what I mean? Mm. And so this monster has slowed me up. Oh man, everybody, <laughs> tell me about it. Hey. You know, it's like, I ain't been with nobody in a long time. That's right. <laughs> right that's right, man. But, but you know, I've always looked at it and I'm, and I'm not predicting this. I've always looked at it like, you know, you, 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 Cut yourself or you whatever it is you get a wound we got the gash now we need to heal and that's gonna take right. some time all right so right. hopefully right. we'll be able to bounce back all right darren so we're gonna wrap this up and first thing i want to just give a uh, definitely salute to aaron johnson with johnson Premier realty uh and again his brothers in the detroit dallas and houston metro areas and again his services and well, his team is always available. We'll have all that in, in the uh, in the description, and, and we want you to continue to watch us on all social media platforms, particularly the full episode is on YouTube. I'll see you soon. Hopefully, you enjoyed that great episode there on the Headley Group Real Estate Show. Continue to follow our hosts as well as us, and we'll provide that great content. We'll see you next time.